We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event. Like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event. Now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Wow. (coughs) Oh, you guys going to edit this? Oh, my God. I'm out of water. We're an hour and a half in. This is going to be the best show, and this is the best way to kick off this pod. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the, uh, let's call it June 2nd, 2019 edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week brought to you by the FFPC. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at MITheRealBlair. And my co-host, as always, is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? Uh, it's going fantastic, Blair. We're back. The NFL uh, season is pretty much underway for us uh, <laughs> here. Uh, it's not the off season anymore, but I am super excited about this show. Right, no off season, and yeah, definitely excited about the show. We have joining us today the Podfather himself, Mr. Matt Kelly, the man behind Roto Wonderworld, Player Profiler, and the uh, Dynasty Dominator app, and most recently the world famous Draft Kit. Follow him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. Matt, thanks for joining us. How's it going? World famous in quotes. That's <laughs> right. It's world famous because I called it the world famous Draft Kit when we launched it originally. Last year, the team previews were all written by Ben Gresh. He did a terrific job. 
Ben Gretsch, who is famous for the stealing signals column in Rotoviz two years ago. That was excellent. Some of the best content ever produced in fantasy football. And this year, it's the entire Rotoviz writing team responsible for the season outlooks and the key trends for all 32 teams. And it is a wildly successful project. If you are in a fantasy draft, you need the world famous draft kit. We already have successful drafts and mocks being completed using the mega cheat sheet that we have courtesy of Peter Howard. His projections are the best in the business. PPR, half PPR, standard. And people look at this cheat sheet for the first time and they're like, where are the quarterbacks? Why, why, where are they? You guys forgot the quarterback position. <laughs> what happened to the quarterbacks? Why aren't there quarterbacks where quarterbacks normally get drafted? And it's like, quarterbacks shouldn't be drafted up there. You need to keep scrolling to find the quarterbacks. So you could actually just take the best player off the cheat sheet and your team will look great. We posted it on our Twitter feed at Roto Underworld. The most recent mock using the cheat sheet exclusively is a super team. You're welcome, people. Fantasy-DraftKit.com. Fantasy-DraftKit.com. A collaboration between Roto Underworld and Roto Viz for the people. It's awesome. Yeah, definitely awesome. As you said, we had a ton of uh, Rotoviz writers working on it, doing all the team previews. I know Hassan did a bunch of the player write-ups. Uh, one of my favorite things about the cheat sheet has to be scrolling so far down to get to uh, Todd Gurley's name, but we can talk about that <laughs> later. Todd uh, Gurley, spoiler alert, he's ranked number 24 because we conducted the thought experiment. Who would you rather have? And the line of demarcation was Marlon Mack. Hmm. Marlon Mack, because Marlon Mack and Todd Gurley are similar players. In fact, they were best comparable to each other until Todd Gurley mysteriously gained 10 pounds last <laughs> offseason. Remember that? Remember that? Hmm. He went from 218 to 228 uh, one season. Uh, I don't know. But these guys are very similar athletic profiles, very similar college profiles in terms of yards and efficiency, rushing and receiving. Because if anything happens to Naheem Hines or they change their offensive approach and go to more of a bell cow role for Marlon Mack, I think he'll be very effective in the in the passing game. I think he can be a target magnet. And then he plays the Todd Gurley role in the Colts offense, which is essentially the AFC's version of the Rams. But the thing with Marlon Mack is he has two working knees. And that really <laughs> matters. Yeah, Marlon Mack, I think, is is the best value running back after round one, of course. You always want Christian McCaffrey. You always want Ezekiel Elliott if you can get them, if you're slotted in high enough. And and those are great values, right? Those are actually incredible values because they're so much better than the other players in the draft. They're incredible values. They're strategic advantages. But then if you're looking for strategic advantages later, a guy like Marlon Mack is the perfect target. And... I just don't want Todd Gurley. I don't need those problems. Yeah, I hear you. Speaking of Todd Gurley, you can actually get right into this news item. Uh, it's reported he's not participating in team drills at team activities. Yeah, right? That so, is shocking. <laughs> uh, do you think Gurley's going to be ready for week one? And um, what are your, I mean, obviously you're pretty bearish on him going into this season. I'm not a doctor, man. I'm not a doctor. But there's been enough evidence there's been anecdotal evidence from most recently Jay Glazer. Now, Jay Glazer is one of the most plugged in analysts in the sport. 
he talks to doctors. He talks to trainers, right? This is a guy that the professional athletes confide in, and he's coming out and telling you there's something wrong with that knee. And the Rams are coming out and telling you there's something wrong with that knee. They're not only tendering Malcolm Brown at the second-round level as a restricted free agent. They're then matching the Lions' offer sheet for Malcolm Brown after they already have John Kelly on the roster and planning to draft a running back, apparently, going up and getting Daryl Darrell Henderson in the third round. Third round. That's where the Bears drafted David Montgomery. I mean, something's up, man. So if he's not ready, I wouldn't be surprised. I just don't know why he didn't have surgery. If he had surgery, this would make a lot more sense. But he didn't have the surgery. There should be some sort of revision surgery. Remember, that's what Sony Michelle had. He was out for a few weeks. Or you could see them going in and doing some cleanup for Todd Gurley. Or what I expected was the microfracture surgery. Because that's what they do when the ACL rehabilitation fails. Or there's been a setback. They go in and they essentially rebuild the cartilage. Again, not a doctor. Not a doctor. I did say at a Holiday Inn Express, not a doctor, though. <laughs> not a do- Don't know anything. But what I do know is the microfracture surgery is what you would get if you had consistent soreness due to lack of cartilage. And if he opts out of that, I'm worried. I'm just very worried. I What's going on in there? Remember Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving had something similar, and he missed half the season. He had to go in and, and have wires removed. Maybe that's it. Maybe there's irritation from the wires from the previous. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I'm terrified. I, I, I'm, I'm frightened as well because the Rams have not been truthful about Gurley's status going all the way through to like last year. Uh, remember, especially the latter half when uh, they signed C.J. Anderson and they were uh, – Publicly telling everyone, oh, Gurley's still the guy. And then C.J. Anderson just outplayed him down the stretch like the whole uh, last few weeks of the season, well into the postseason. Yeah, signed off the streets, C.J. Anderson. I mean, this guy did not think he was going to play football again. Clearly, he was not in football shape. (laughs) I mean, this guy. But if you have an effective run-blocking unit, then you can run the ball successfully. This is why we say running backs don't matter because you can just plug in C.J. Anderson and if the offense is efficient and the run blocking is effective, he's going to get his yards, he's going to get his touchdowns, you're going to get your fantasy points. So that's why you have to love Daryl Darrell Henderson. No one has told... I've asked a lot of people, how do you pronounce this guy's name? Is it Daryl or is it Darrell? No one has told me anything definitively because no one's actually watched a Memphis football game. So, so... I just continue to hedge that first name. But this is the most efficient running back in the history of college football. No one's ever been more efficient. On a yards-per-touch basis in college at the running back position, no one's ever been better. Go, Melvin Gordon doesn't matter. No one's been better. Even with the Wisconsin offensive line, Melvin Gordon couldn't be quite as efficient as Daryl Darrell Henderson. And now you put him in that Rams offense, and you need to be excited I've drafted a lot of Daryl Daryl Henderson in dynasty leagues because I'm the pod father. I'm always in the playoffs in all my leagues. So I have these late picks, right? Drafting at the 110, 111, 112. Guess who was there this year? Until very recently, Daryl Daryl Henderson. So I'm just vacuuming. I'm like, oh, don't, don't bother me. Vacuum these guys up. Vacuum up all this Henderson because he has the most upside. When you close your eyes, take a beat, breathe in, breathe out, open your eyes, and you look at you're looking at the 2020 ADP board 
it's very straightforward, very easy in your mind's eye to see Henderson as the number one sophomore skill position player being drafted in fantasy football a year from now. It's just so easy to see that's the way to go if you have a late first rounder in dynasty rookie drafts. Yeah, I have a question for you. Have you like asked the girly owner if they're looking to actually trade in? Because I've been uh, when 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 Henderson's been available to me uh, at those later picks um, in rookie drafts, I've really just gone to the girly owner and said, "Hey, man, this is Daryl Darrell Henderson. You own Todd Gurley. Um, any interest in giving me? Oh, I don't know. Your 2021st and Christian Kirk. And uh, I'm always met with that's too much i would never consider him here and uh that's wrong by the way hassan you're a killer man you're a killer <laughs> you don't take any prisoners in dynasty you don't fucking care i love it you're just degaffing. you're not trying to be cordial with your league mates you understand this is a fucking competition and you're a clinical killer out there you have like a sniper rifle i love it i love hassan out there just finding the owner, zeroing in and saying, fuck you, pay me. <laughs> fuck you, pay me. This is Darrell Henderson. I did that. I did that to an owner. In fact, it was one of those slow drafts. We have 12 hours, but then it was overnight. Like my pick was one of the overnight picks. So there was an additional eight hours added. So it was like 20 hours. And I ran out the clock. I ran out the clock all the way to be like 15 minutes left on this guy. And I just kept throwing offers at him. And he kept countering with these absurd counters, and I just kept telling you, this is Darrell, and he kept, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I'm like, this is Darrell, Daryl Henderson. He's going off the board right now. I know you think you're going to pick in a couple picks, and you're going to get him. I'm going to get him. You need to pay me now. And he didn't. He tried to call my bluff, and I'm like, Henderson, what the fuck are you doing? And now he's coming back to me going, oh, and I'm like, no, it's too late. Price is only going up now. Girly. I don't want girly. No, no, yeah. Right. Why no, do you no. think I want Gurley? I took Henderson because I think Gurley could be dead. I think if you're a Gurley owner and you can convince yourself to be more optimistic about all the news surrounding him and you're just like all in on Gurley, then it makes sense to kind of avoid Henderson. Just don't even hedge. But, I mean, otherwise... You otherwise. have to hedge in Dynasty. This isn't redraft. This is the very important point. Dynasty and seasonal leagues are very different. See, the thing is in Dynasty, guys, I mean, maybe people don't know this, but let me share something with you. Now, are you sitting down? Hassan, are you sitting down? I'm going to have to get a second chair, actually. But yeah, Blair, you're sitting down, right? Get this thing about Dynasty leagues. Now, this is going to sound crazy, but just bear with me for a moment. I mean, again, it's, it's <laughs> not going to be believable at first. But you have to trust me. I've done my research on this. Are you ready for this? In Dynasty, you have these guys for their entire career. And the rosters are much deeper than seasonal leagues. Ten more players are rostered on average than seasonal league rosters. So the waiver wire is, is much more sparse. You can't just go get the backup if your player goes down. And oftentimes, you have rostered players, not just because you appreciate their talent, but because you're bullish on their situation. You're bullish on their opportunity, their supporting cast. Well, if... If all those things are clicking into place, how would you not hedge? How would you not go get the backup to a guy? Especially if you like that backup. That's why a Todd Gurley owner passing on Daryl Darrell Henderson in the late first round is completely irrational. I'm all about it. Because this happened to me last year with Melvin Gordon. 
Of course I'm going to go out and acquire Austin Eckler. Of course. In fact, I made the playoffs only because I had went out the year prior and grabbed Austin Eckler. you got to do it. It just so happens Austin Eckler's very good, even though he went to a college that sounds like a fake school. I mean, Western State. I mean, that's just, <laughs> right? If you're a Hollywood writer and you don't know anything about college athletics, that's the, that's the college you would write down, right? In, on a, in a movie, but <laughs> it was a real school. And I like Austin Eckler. I like guys like Austin Eckler. I like guys like Matt Breida because they may not hold up for a full season in a primary back role at 200 pounds, but they can get in there and win you weeks because they're explosive and they're active in all phases. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess I'm thinking if the only thing... I mean, obviously, if you like Daryl Henderson in his situation, drafting him, I guess I'm wondering whether it makes more sense to get the backup to another player who's not on your roster and kind of uh, give yourself that chance for more upside. But I can definitely see what you're saying. I think you're overthinking it, Blair. Yeah, that's possible. I think that's a seasonal league thing. <laughs> in a seasonal league, you just throw these players up in the air. You don't know who's going to land where. You just want maximum upside, maximum upside, maximum upside. Who cares if you have Rashad Penny? You shouldn't be going out and targeting you know, Chris Carson. Right. Maybe it's a keeper league. I don't know the scenario, right? Well, let's say you draft Chris Carson, which you shouldn't be doing, but let's say you did it, right? Are you going to draft Rashad Penny? Well, in that case, you probably would because he has the most upside of running backs in those rounds. It's a terrible example. I just gave you the worst possible example. (laughs) (laughs) You would absolutely draft Rashad Penny for all those reasons. But if there was another guy, you know, like for example, Nick Chubb, you know, I'm not necessarily going after Duke Johnson. Well, because Duke Johnson even if he finds his way to the top of that, that depth chart, he's not going to have the same opportunity share as Nick Chubb. It's not going to happen. They're not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to do it. Like he's, he's a satellite back and those guys have limited upside. Um, they also have, they're also hard to roster in seasonal leagues. And I think this is something that I've been appreciating more and more over the years, something called predictable, usable weeks, predictable, usable weeks. With Duke Johnson, see, he might come into this this year. He checked in at like 207 last year. Maybe he, he's on that LaShawn McCoy plan, and he checks in at 210 this year. So Duke Johnson at 210, okay, I'm in. Count me in, right? He's, he's, he's going to be a workhorse. But if you're at 200 pounds, if you're like a Justice Hill, someone like that, Philip Lindsay's the, the best example of this, eh. Right, we just don't have a long history, a track record of those guys being uh, the 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 primary back for the full season. And if you're Tariq Cohen, you're James White, those are the two satellite backs that are getting drafted in the single digit rounds. And I don't know when they're going to pop. Yes, you could look at the projected game script, and if it's going to be competitive, if the Patriots are going out and playing the Chiefs, if they're playing the Steelers then yeah, that's going to be more of a James White game. But you don't know that. You don't know how that game's going to flow. Last time the Chargers played the Patriots, the Patriots completely dominated them, and James White was a non-factor, even though that seemed to be a game where you'd want to play James White. That, that's not how it played out. And the same is true for Tariq Cohen. Trying to predict those weeks that Tariq Cohen delivers is nearly impossible. So even if you have him projected to score more fantasy points than a Rashad Penny or a Royce Freeman, I don't care. I'm just drafting the guy that I know that 
if he's the starter any given week, it's easy to start him confidently where I can't do that with a Tariq Cohen. I actually am now wired in such a way that I only view satellite backs as options in best ball leagues. Like, I just don't want to deal with them. Like, I'd rather them not even get elevated, hmm. right? I'd rather you not even get opportunity. Like with an E.O. Smith, for example, what the fuck am I going to do with you? So Devontae Freeman goes down, okay, well now it's between you and another guy, right? I just happen to love Brian Hill, right? So I love Brian Hill, so that's a different ball game where I'm also <laughs> very skeptical of Ido Smith because I know what Brian Hill is, and Brian Hill looks the part much more than Ido Smith of a primary back in the NFL. But I have Ido Smith, now what? Now what? Freeman went down, now I fucked myself, right? Now I'm a masochist, right? Because I had a guy that had no value, and I made this bet, this wager that he would accrue value, and he did, and he did, and now I'm fucked. <laughs> because now I have to decide if I'm a starter or not, and I'm going to rip my hair out all week. Fuck that, man. The only thing you would do if you have Eno Smith is actually trade him. You'd hmm. trade him if Freeman goes down. You're like, just get this guy off my hands. I don't want to deal with the start sit on Freeman. Now, if Smith and Freeman go down... Oh, ooh, ooh, because then it's the Brian Hill show, and then I'm in. Then I know I can start him every week, and I'm starting him every week on a team that invested more draft capital than any other franchise in the league in offensive line. On a, an offense we know is efficient, right? We know they have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Austin Hooper, and even Mohamed Sanu in that role is effective. So we know there's going to be red zone visits. We know there's going to be points scored, and now you're investing in the offensive line? And Brian Hill was a prolific runner at the college level, even though he was handicapped by Josh Allen at quarterback. He, he succeeded in spite of Josh Allen, which is great. It's a great sign. And he was effective in all phases. So Josh Allen rarely dumps it off, but he did allow Brian Hill to catch some passes. Brian Hill may be the most underrated running back in the entire league. And a guy that I'm stashing, even in some relatively shallow dynasty leagues, you're going to see Brian Hill on my taxi squad because I think he's one of those guys that could be this year's Damian Williams. Just pop out of nowhere, took a while for the NFL to appreciate him, but he finally, he finally found his way to a team in Atlanta that appreciates him. Opportunity opens up. I think it's very easy to see opportunity opening up in Atlanta for Brian Hill. And then bada bing, bada boom, he pops. I win. <laughs> Podfather won. Those that don't know how good Brian Hill is, zero. Yeah. Right. Brian Hill show, despite us not even having a question about him on the show sheet. That's all good. This is my show sheet. Yeah. <laughs> There's a show sheet in my head. I'm doing the show that I have in my head, despite your beautifully formatted show sheet that I'm looking at. I love it. Honestly, there's like, even if like Brian Hill were somehow to get cut from the Falcons in, um, you know, before the 53 mans were announced, there's a lot of teams right here. If you look at the player profiler depth charts that could really use a Brian Hill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at some of these number three running backs across the league. Even the number twos. I mean, look I mean, at the Chiefs. The Chiefs could really use a Brian Hill. They have Carlos Hyde. Eh, washed. Darwin Thompson. He was a committee back in the Mountain Whack. <laughs> Who's not even fast? <laughs> Fuck out of here with Darwin Thompson. Yes, even Oakland Alexander Raiders, Madison. I mean, there's all kinds of running backs that would be happy to go to a team like the Raiders that have no depth behind their number one. I mean, Brian Hill's 
objectively, in, in my opinion, better than CJ Anderson, who's on the Lions. Like, if they wanted, you know, I mean, I know he, I know Brian Hill's on the Falcons, right? But, in a, you know, in this scenario, let's assume that he somehow got, because they did that to him last year, and, and they brought him back in the practice quarter. Unless the Lions actually put a, you know, a waiver on him. How long does it take for, like, Hill to actually outplay CJ Anderson and Theo Riddick and put himself in as, like, an actual change of pace back there? Theo Riddick is a different thing. Like, Theo Riddick plays a completely different role, so I wouldn't worry about Riddick. It'd be all about Anderson, and we'll just have to see. I don't know if CJ Anderson, you know, devotes himself to his craft in the offseason, and he comes in clearly having invested in his strength and conditioning. Then I'm, I might be fine with CJ Anderson. But based on what I saw last year, I mean, this was a human blimp. I mean, if I, I, I couldn't believe it, I couldn't believe that they had to go. They had to go to the factory. You know, they had to send a guy from the Rams to the factory to get a jersey made. Because they just didn't have jerseys that shape, are shaped like that for running backs with that number. They, they didn't have them. Like, we have to go to the fact. I'm sorry. Someone's flying to China right, to get a jersey for C.J. Anderson. Pop quiz, hot shots. Who is the second running back for the Carolina Panthers? It's, uh, it's Scarlett Jordan, I think. Jordan Scarlett, that is his name? Cameron Artis Payne or Jordan Scarlett. We'll see who wins that big camp battle. Oh my Wouldn't God! Would we love to see Brian Hill backing up Christian McCaffrey? That would be perfect. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to happen because Brian Hill, I think, is locked into that number three running back role in Atlanta. It's interesting to go around the league and look at the number four running backs or the number five running backs. Rex Burkhead, for example. Rex Burkhead could be a camp cut. Who is going to be a camp cut? Someone. In this game of musical chairs after the draft, some quality UDFA ended up on a team with a robust running back depth chart and is going to get cut. John Kelly could get cut, right? You think about player that we like, Darren Hall. Darren Hall is now a Bengal, right? Darren Hall is behind Rodney Anderson, but not really because Rodney Anderson's hurt. I think that's why the Bengals signed him because Rodney Anderson's still rehabbing. Travion Williams... Giovanni Bernard and, of course, Joe Mixon. So he's at best at number four running back, probably gets cut. Needs to find Someone's going to find their way to this Carolina depth chart. And I know Christian McCaffrey has worked on his body. He has remade himself in the offseason. He's no longer 202 pounds. I know one player profiler, it says 202. He's not 202, right? He's on the fast track to 210, so he can be a bell cow in the league, a proper bell cow, right? Because... At 202, it's not going to happen. Like You're going to be Jamal Charles. You can't do it. But at 210, then you can be LaShawn McCoy. So LaShawn McCoy still got hurt plenty. right? Running backs get hurt. And it, the probability of you getting hurt is still a little bit higher if you're 210 versus 225. So you want that number two running back in Carolina. And I think Darren Hall has the best chance uh, of the quality running backs from the draft that were underappreciated by the NFL, I think Darren Hall has the best chance to be picked up by a running back needy team, whether it be a a team that just has nobody like Tampa Bay or lacks depth like Carolina. Have you looked at this Darren Hall, Hassan? Oh, yeah. I mean, everything about him, like his pro day was just incredibly just off the charts. I I mean, this guy is, is ridiculously athletic and he's ridiculously productive in like, and he's ridiculously explosive with his playmaking abilities. Uh, I mean, another depth chart that I actually do think is kind of soft right now that I think would be a phenomenal fit for Hall, if he can just get off the Bengals, uh, would be the Ravens. 
stays in the stays in the AFC North. Yeah, it's just it's just so so soft behind Mark Ingram and like really is Mark Ingram gonna well, be Mark the Ingram guy? Is himself soft, <laughs> right? I mean, the guy did a bunch of PEDs and he stopped getting hurt. Oh my God! I'm looking at the player profiler depth charts on the Baltimore Ravens right now. Oh my God! Oh that's, my God! Are you aware sadness. of this? Robert Griffin the third dyed his hair purple. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my what god! What are you doing? He Ooh. is the Drake of NFL running backs. Oh my god! Just that looks bad terrible. personal accessory decisions. <laughs> what are you doing? Yes, Gus Edwards, soft. Kenneth Dixon, soft. Justice Hill, 198 pound satellite back, and Mark Ingram is a plotter. So there's not a lot of talent on this depth chart. It's only Justice Hill, and no one thinks a 198 pound back can operate as the primary back for a full season. And I know, oh, Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay. Well, Philip Lindsay didn't do it, by the way. You know Philip Lindsay went down at the end of the season. He didn't make it. Now, you can try. You can try to post up a 190-pound satellite back in a primary back role. I'm all for it. I love Philip Lindsay. Now, we were talking about Philip Lindsay last year before anyone else, right? But not in that role, man. Get out of here, right? So that would be perfect for a guy like Darren Hall. Or even Philadelphia backing up Miles Sanders. Like, oh, God, Philadelphia, right? I also think Josh Adams could get cut. Yeah. Because Philadelphia seems to like Wendell Smallwood. And if Wendell Smallwood makes the team, they're not going to cut Jordan Howard. They traded the sixth rounder for Jordan Howard. They should. See, if I were the Eagles, I would look to jettison Jordan Howard. I would say, oh, we drafted Miles Sanders. We know he's going to be there in the second round. This Jordan Howard acquisition was foolish like that was a mistake right investing a sixth round pick in jordan howard when you can just sign spencer Ware makes no fucking sense same guy right so just get rid of jordan howard and then keep sanders smallwood and adams but the other problem is philadelphia still likes Corey clement like there's still positive reverberations from the super bowl and this is what happens this actually happened this is some of the source of the irrational decision-making you see in player personnel in the NFL. Vividness bias. And the fans like Corey Clement. There are fans with Corey Clement jerseys from the Super Bowl. That happened, right? He's not very good at all. At all. Like, he is just a guy, but he looked explosive. Why did he look explosive? This is why tape is the ultimate Rorsach test. Because Corey Clement is not explosive in any way. He has a 106.06th percentile burst score. But if you watch the Super Bowl, he looked explosive. Why? Because it's all relative. The supporting cast, if you have room, if you have space, if you can get up ahead of steam, you're going to look fast. And if you have one of the best run-blocking offensive lines and you have an efficient offense, they're going to create space for you to look good. They'll make you look good. Right? It's just like Jacksonville could never make Leonard Fournette look good. Is Fournette better than Corey Clement? Hell yeah, but that team can't make him look good. Corey Clement looked good in the Super Bowl, so he's going to keep a roster spot undeserved. And a guy like Josh Adams, who's actually interesting because he has size and he has agility and he was productive, he kept Dexter Williams off the field at Notre Dame, he could end up being a free agent. So he could go to Tampa. He could go to Baltimore. He could go back up Christian McCaffrey. 
This is very exciting. And this is what we talk about in May and June, right? What could happen <laughs> in camp that could lead a guy we like to get cut who may be a fringy dynasty ad to land on another team where he might have a shred of opportunity that he didn't have in the last team. I mean, that's the focal point of the conversation right now. And I love it. Uh the Arizona Cardinals also have three satellite backs behind David Johnson and something called Wes Hills and Xavier Turner. They signed Wes Hills? Yeah. The Hills are alive. <laughs> the Hills are alive with the sound of slippery rock running backs. But like Chase I Edmonds. thought Wes Hills was the college at one point. And that's how confused <laughs> I was. I was like, is his name Slippery Rock? And he went to Wes Hills? No, it was Wes Hills from Slippery Rock. Like, oh, okay. I don't know. Like, it's, they're millennials, man. You could be have someone named Slippery Rock. I, I wouldn't put it past a parent to name no. their child Slippery Rock. Or the Rock, right? And he's slippery. I mean, if that would be a great running back name. That would be <laughs> one of the best running back names. That would be right up there with Rex Burkhead. That's one of the <laughs> best running back names. If you're a Slippery Rock, holy shit, you're good. But he's not. He's Wes Hills. Eh. Yeah, but like they've got Chase Edmonds, TJ Logan, and DJ Foster, who are uh, just all like 190 pounds, five foot nine, just satellite backs. Well, Chase Edmonds is a bit bigger, and he may have gained weight. Second year, a lot of these guys gain weight. He could be 210 when he checks in later this offseason. We will see with Chase Edmonds. I like Chase Edmonds, fellas. You know why I like Chase Edmonds? The up tempo offense, if they go out and try to run 100 plays a week, Guess who can't take all those snaps? David Johnson. It would be a running back by committee by necessity if they're trying to run that many plays. David Johnson would have to come off the field. And in fact, he would have to come off the field for an entire series if the pace is that grueling. And then if you have a grueling pace and you're all about offense and you're scoring a lot of points and you're creating a lot of space for your skill position players and you're giving entire series to Chase Edmonds, then I'm interested. I'm interested for all the same reasons. I'm interested in Austin Eckler and guys like that in best ball. Right? So he's interesting in best ball because he can have an explosive week here and there, regardless of whether David Johnson goes down or not. And then if David Johnson goes down, it's wheels all the way fucking up. Yeah, he was good last year in uh, some a few games. Better than David Johnson sometimes. He looked good, man. Yeah. He looked good. He looked good. And he was awful. He was also the alpha at Fordham. And I, I know running back age adjusted production is pretty flimsy, but I do like it when guys dominate as freshmen. It doesn't matter. Quarterback, running back, never tight end once in a while. This last tight end that dominated as a freshman. I, I can't even. Justice, I mean, uh, Justice Winslow? I, I don't know. Um, wait, Justice Winslow? Is that, wait, who am I thinking of? Justice <laughs> Winslow's a. A NBA player, Kellen Winslow. <laughs> Kellen Winslow. Kellen Winslow Jr. <laughs> yeah, I I got it on the fifth try. I had his dad. <laughs> I had a basketball player. I had Justice Hill, the running back. Finally, okay, Kellen Winslow Jr. Maybe that was the last freshman tight end to play well. But uh, some Jeremy Shockey, some Miami Hurricanes tight end, I'm sure. But <laughs> so Chase Edmonds dominated as a true freshman. Small school, understood. But that to me, I like it. I like that. I like that about him. That tells me he's a good football player. Do we want to talk about Detroit? Should we just? Nah, I think I think uh, we can actually talk about them if you'd like to. But um, well, the Detroit I mean, Lions are frustrating. Yeah. Right. They're all frustrating right. because they have all the pieces in place for an exciting offense. They've even invested in the offensive line for all the wrong reasons. Right. I sometimes see teams make good decisions for the wrong reasons. 
And I'm wondering, oh, man, they're going to do the right thing here. They're going to take the offensive lineman, which I love. That's the thing. Like, analytics gets a bad rap. We're not out here telling you to draft wide receivers, right? I'm not, say- I'm not saying that. I'm saying win at the point of attack, right? Even though it's been shown that cornerbacks are more important than edge rushers to stopping the pass, I'd probably go edge rusher anyway, because I think fundamentally you want to, I think there is value that is hard to measure in owning the line of scrimmage. And because the running back is so interdependent and the offensive line helps you in all phases, it helps protect the quarterback. It helps open up wide running lanes and the underrated player position on the offensive line is center. There's a reason why Alvin Kamara went completely bananas the moment he set foot in New Orleans. Because that offensive line had the best run-blocking efficiency score on player profiler the last three years. Well, what happened three years ago in New Orleans? Do you guys remember what happened three years ago? If you want to trace this back? It was uh, the Mark Ingram show without... Well, they traded uh, away Jimmy Graham, right? To get they the traded Jimmy number. Graham for who? Who'd they trade Jimmy Graham for? It was Colby Fleener. Uh, no. Uh, Max Unger. They traded Colby Fleener for all-pro center Seattle Seahawks Mac, Max Unger. Max Unger shows up, right? Suddenly they have the best run-blocking unit in the league. Is that a coincidence? Maybe. Maybe correlation does not always equal causation. I mean, you should know that Roto isn't even the guys use a little bit too much correlation in your analysis. That's another story for another podcast, <laughs> right? But even go back, go all the way back, Peyton Manning. You know, he owes some of his success to Jeff Saturday. You know who else owes some of his success to Jeff Saturday? The running back, Edron James, right? So... I love it when a team goes and drafts the best center in a draft class, especially if it's one of the best centers I've ever seen, and that's Frank Ragnow. Frank Ragnow is a beast. Frank Ragnow has one, he's one of those freaks with like the he has the 99th percentile arm length, and like he's just one of those guys that scouts just like sometimes the scout talk is interesting. And when the scouts talk about guys like offensive linemen, when they talk about some of the stuff that doesn't have as much analytical firepower, like center metrics, right? Center analytics. Then it's interesting when the scouts are like, oh, this guy, this guy's just an animal. This guy's just a wild animal. I'm like, that's what, I mean, if I am going to war and the guy in the center that's snapping the ball, right? If we're in a platoon and he's the first one to go down the path in the jungle, you want him to be a completely crazed animal and just terrify everybody. He protects the whole platoon, right? So that's the center. And that's Frank Ragnow. So this is the whole thing is teed up with Kenny Galladay going into his third year, one of the most impressive size-adjusted specimens in the league. You have the underrated Kerryon Johnson. They don't seem to appreciate Kerryon Johnson. I mean, I think the underreported anecdotes and off-season moves are all around Kerryon Johnson. How Alex Dunlap from Roster Watch he talks to the offensive coordinator at the combine for the Lions and. He's lukewarm on Karrion Johnson. He shoulder shrugs Karrion Johnson. And Alex is like, whoa, that's weird. Why would you shoulder shrug Karrion Johnson? Karrion Johnson's awesome. What, what am I missing? Then he goes and talks to the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. And all, he ta- all the guy wants to talk about is Damian Williams. So he wants to talk about Damian Williams is a revelation. Damian Williams, Damian Williams. How do we find Damian Williams? Just like victory lapping on the Chiefs getting Damian Williams for nothing. Right? And then he goes to talk to the... the the Lions guy, assuming it's going to be, you know, Karrion Johnson. No, doesn't want to talk about Karrion Johnson. Not interested. Yeah, they're signing C.J. Anderson. They're trying to sign Malcolm Brown to an offer sheet. What the hell's going on, man? Then they go draft Ty Johnson. So this is where I swing us back into the rabbit hole. 
<laughs> because I really want to talk about Ty Johnson, maybe. I mean, if we like Darren Hall, we have to like Ty Johnson because it's only C.J. Anderson, right? And it's not even Malcolm Brown because they didn't even let them sign Malcolm Brown. Imagine if they signed Malcolm Brown, right? I mean, they're just like, but some players are beyond reproach. And I just don't think Karrion Johnson has done enough yet. And he didn't do enough in college when you zoom out to make him this above reproach running back. I think there's real risk with Karrion Johnson in seasonal leagues. I don't like to draft these risky running backs in the third and fourth round. I want Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack's a no doubter. Damian Williams is a no doubter. Those guys offer stability. I'll focus on upside in later rounds, but I'm not going to take my chances in the fourth round with Karrion Johnson. No fucking way. I just pulled up Ty Johnson's uh, running back page on playerprofiler.com, and oh my god, I think I fell out, I fell out of my chair. You did well. I had you sitting down earlier because remember the news about the dynasty <laughs> leagues. You own the guys for their career. Remember that? Oh yeah, that was. I mean, that was like shock one, but like I got right, back right, up. I know because you're still recovering. But now you're now you're now you're th- that. If that wasn't enough, the Ty Johnson just tipped over your chair. That's what happened. He ran a four four flat. Pro day. And of course, you know, someone that was there had him at a four, three, five, right? Okay. So by the way, you know, the scouts all get together and they, they agree on a time. So the times that, but the reporter from the college that writes the article, the puff piece about all the players at the pro day, you know, that he goes out and practices confirmation bias and goes and finds the scout that had the guy at the four, three, five. And that's what he puts in the article, right? You know, that's why you can't go with that. You know, there's a master database where all the scouts agree on the times of the 40. And then even that time, which is usually more conservative than the glowing, crazy, low time that the article from the school posted, right? The local newspaper. Well, even those 40 times from pro days are on average five one hundredths of a second slower than what they have at the combine because the combine has that video replay system between the unofficial and the official time getting posted where they go back and they find the instant that the forward momentum started, which is not visible by the naked eye. So what happens is in a pro day scenario, the stopwatch gets started a bit later. And so that's why the times look faster. It has nothing to do with a laser finish whatsoever. So with Ty Johnson, his real time, should he have gone to the combine? It was four, four, five. That's really fast. That's 92nd percentile. Running backs are not usually that fast. And he was also above average burst. And if you go back, it's like, oh, it's very explainable. He gets hurt a lot, right? But isn't that what you want if you're looking for a sleeper running back? A guy on a team that could be unlocked because the the skill position players are just so good. They've invested in the offensive line. The depth chart is sneaky soft. So Ty Johnson's my highest owned player in Dynasty. I mean, because I was able to get him everywhere. He went undrafted in four-round rookie drafts. So I just bid more than everyone else in free agency in the first fab round after the rookie draft, and I got him everywhere. I'm going to have to do that. I am. <laughs> uh, this is, I, I didn't even pay attention to Ty Johnson. This is ridiculous. Well, you go back to the freshman year. I love going back and looking at the freshman year. It's why I'll never get over Christian Kirk. I'll always think Christian Kirk's underrated just because you so rarely see a guy going for 1,000 yards in his true freshman year. And you go back and you look at Ty Johnson in Maryland, and he was super productive, right? Not his freshman year, but his true sophomore year, over 1,000 yards, 9.1 yards per carry. He was essentially Daryl Darrell Henderson <laughs> through his first two seasons. Think about it. On a really bad offense, too. Yeah, the offense is horrific, 
but just anemic. And then he gets hurt in his final season. But it's not just that he ran the four four five. See, he goes and runs the four four five. A lot of teams aren't paying attention. Like no one drafted Alex Barnes. Understand that Alex Barnes is a 99th percentile Spark X score on Player Profiler, and yet doesn't get drafted. So you can't trust NFL. They saw something else. So it wasn't just that he was productive and athletic. Scouts saw something in him to draft him in the sixth round. So it really comes together the case for because there's going to be a guy. There's going to be a Aaron Jones, right? And if I'm trying to find the Aaron Jones, you have all these options. You know, Cadre Olison, all these sixth, seventh round running backs. There's going to be an Aaron Jones in there. And you just try to increase your probabilities of hitting on that guy. And I'm going, I'm putting my little, you know, I have a little checkers, right? Because I'm playing checkers while everyone's playing chess. No, no, no. I'm playing. No, no. Here's the thing. No one's playing chess. Fuck chess. I'm playing checkers while they're playing, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the you know the uh, where people are they're they're trying to do charades? Okay, because <laughs> I think checkers is more sophisticated than charades. So I'm playing checkers, they're playing charades. So I'm gonna go ahead and put my little checkers on Dexter Williams and Ty Johnson and hope one of them becomes Aaron Jones. And like I did two years ago, uh, I did uh, my squares on Marlon Mack and Aaron Jones. That worked out pretty well. I've since punted Aaron Jones and held on to Marlon Mack, and I feel really good about it because Aaron Jones can get you a lot now. And I'll probably out on Ty Johnson or Dexter Williams if his value gets inflated to the place that Aaron Jones is, right? Because it's not like it's not like Nick Chubb. Like Nick Chubb was the first pick or the second pick in the second round, and going all the way back to high school was viewed as this five-star recruit, this premium prospect, right? High pedigree player. Well, that's never Ty Johnson. That's not Aaron Jones. It's not Dexter Williams. The high pedigree really helps to establish a long-term floor for Dynasty. So that's why I'm fine. You know, so Marlon Mack was a high pedigree player. He was the most heavily recruited high school running back in that year with Dalvin Cook. Florida State wanted Marlon Mack. They didn't get him. They had to settle for Dalvin Cook. So I feel better about Marlon Mack and his long-term you know, role in Indianapolis. I'm not nearly as sure about Aaron Jones. So again, to summarize, <laughs> we're picking up Ty Johnson. We're going to wait two years. Eventually, in the second half of 2020, he's going to get the lead back role. He's going to go bananas. He'll be an RB1 for a period of time. Then we're going to trade him. That's the plan, guys. Are you with me? Let's put our hands in. I'm all in. <laughs> oh, Ty Johnson! <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's possible that um, this class just isn't as good as the one that Aaron Jones came out of. But, I mean, if there has to be an Aaron Jones, then Ty Johnson looks uh, pretty intriguing. Yeah, you could see Ty Johnson at UTEP mm-hmm. putting up Aaron Jones' numbers. It's very easy. They're very similar players. You said Ty Johnson had injury concerns, right? Well, in his final season, yeah, his, his, I think freshman and final season, he just had the two seasons in between. But I think he even missed a game in his junior season. So he's been nicked up. Like he had a year where he was fully healthy. It was all systems go, even in an anemic, because this Maryland offense, everyone talked about it with, with DJ Moore, remember? It's just he has the high dominator because he's just trapped in this, you know, oppressive offense, <laughs> right? Well, in that offense, only 110 attempts, 2016 for Ty Johnson, 
over 1,000 yards, 16 receptions for over 200 yards. So he was incredibly efficient in both the running game and the passing game. Reminds me of a uh, wide receiver prospect from Maryland who was also uh, heavily injured uh, during his time at Maryland who went in the sixth round of the NFL draft uh, and outplayed his uh, first-round counterpart uh, on the Vikings. Oh, you're talking about Stephon Diggs. Yep. (laughs) Yes, he's referring to Mr. Stephon Diggs. Yes. I'm not out here. I've learned my life. Maybe two years ago. I'm an older man now. I've seen some (laughs) things, fellas. Two years ago, I would have said Ty Johnson is the Stephon Diggs of running backs. I'm not going to go there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just too old, too tired of the hot takes to go there. But uh, Ty Johnson, he's, he's good. (laughs) <laughs> Let's just put it that way. This boy is good. I yeah. I, I'd much prefer to play the sliding doors, <laughs> trading places game. Like mm. put Ty Johnson in the shoes of Aaron Jones or Daryl Darrell Henderson and our perception changes. Mm. All right. Uh, before we get into no shit shit no, I want to just remind you that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. Uh, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. I guess that'll pick up again once the season starts. But uh, patronships start at just $6 a month. You get four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $6. You know, I'm a patron of one show. Okay. One show on this one podcast. I decided one day I'm going to go to Patreon and I'm going to support my favorite podcast. Do you know what podcast that is? Rotoviz Radio? Rotoviz Radio, baby! I'm a patron. Join me. Support this show. How many a week do you guys do? Ten a week. Do you realize I do two a week? Okay? I do two a week. Five times more shows. These guys need your support on Patreon. They deserve it. Yeah, and uh, speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 10% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available to the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, the season, it's uh, I'd say it's almost here, but really, we're pretty much into the thick of it. Um, you know, you gain unlimited access to our NFL content, our tools, you get the uh, amazing value, and you help support our podcast network. Once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. I strongly recommend it, especially if you're playing early best ball. Mike Beers' uh, tool suite is phenomenal, and uh, he's also revamped the old box score scout. So if you're you know, doing some uh, rookie drafts that start in June, it's a good way to get a head start. You can find uh, some sleepers uh, like uh, Ty Johnson here or any of the other guys that we talked about. You can go do your own research and see where we're off or where we're right. All right, let's get into No Shit Shit No. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. First item. I just Can we just give ourselves a pat on the back for covering... Every sleeper running back for Dynasty Leagues. I mean, you're welcome, people. Definitely. Yeah. There's one we didn't get to, but he's coming up. Oh, oh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, the tease. Look at Blair. Blair Andrews. He gets podcasting. <laughs> uh, but first, let's talk Ryan Fitzpatrick. Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald feels Ryan Fitzpatrick has outperformed Josh Rosen through the early portion of OTAs. Shocking. This is shocking, fellas. Can I give you another secret? Again, I hope you're sitting down. This is important. And no one talks about it. 
And I had to dig very deep to find this information. But I finally unearthed it. Josh Rosen's not good. <laughs> I mean, when was he good again? At what point was he good? He wasn't good. Like he, His college QBR was in the 30th percentile. His yards per attempt was below the 50th percentile. He broke out early because they had nobody else. Like, he was a decorated recruit. He was a premium prospect, like we talked about earlier, right? High pedigree guy. But then, so he's given the opportunity, just like Drew Locke, right? He's the Drew Locke of the 2018 class. But Drew Locke is being dismissed. He's just an afterthought. Josh Rosen, oh, top 10 pick. They made a mistake, and they, they know it. Right? How often does a team punt? their top 10 quarterback from the previous year. I mean, you never see that ever, ever, ever. He has to be historically bad. So let's see what he did last year. Let's see how bad he was. Oh my God. Oh, what? He was awful. 4.3 adjusted yards per attempt. I thought that was a typo. I didn't know the scale went down that far. Negative 20.7 production premium. How? Oh, they were running the ball too much, running the ball up the middle. Yeah, to protect their quarterback because they knew he was terrible. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been good in the league over and over and over and over again, and he makes bad decisions. Like, he's basically an older, wiser, whiter Jameis Winston. <laughs> right? And it makes sense. They're on the same team together. They look at each other like, you know, like the Batman meme. No, the <laughs> Spider-Man meme. What did I say? The Batman meme? <laughs> Spider-Man meme. So now he's just older. Like you pull the mask off and it's like the one's the older version of Peter Parker. See, I know Spider-Man. That was just a, I, I know Spider-Man's Peter Parker and, you know, you know, and Ang Lee was the cartoonist. I, I know all of this Marvel superhero, one of the originals, one of the most expensive comic books of all time. Spider-Man number one. I know comics. Okay. I made a mistake. Okay. I misspoke. I know Spider-Man. Okay. And I also know quarterbacks. And Josh Rosen stinks. You made a mistake like the Cardinals. No, I just misspoke, Blair. They made a historic <laughs> blunder drafting a terrible quarterback in the top 10. I still am stashing him if he's available. I drafted him in a 2QB startup recently because he just kept falling, and I just I just want the resale value. I just want to trade him at some point. As soon as he gets a, his first start, right? So my calculus is he gets a start in week five. He plays well. Trade him. Get him. If you have him, you can't trade him now. You have to wait. Just wait for that first good game and then jettison Josh Rosen because he is not good. And if you're betting on who's going to be more productive as the Dolphins quarterback, it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. And if you have Albert Wilson, you have Kenny Stills, you have Mike Gusecki, you have Kenyon Drake, you need to hope the quarterback for the majority of those games is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He can actually play the game at a relatively prolific level, though he's not efficient. Josh Rosen isn't capable of that. I've never seen it. I mean, maybe it's possible. Anything's possible. But I don't think it's possible. Because you have guys like Tyrod Taylor, right, where the Baltimore Ravens just didn't know what they had. They let him go early. He goes to Balt he goes to Buffalo from Baltimore. And then he blossoms into something, a guy you can use in fantasy. But that's because he was a late round pick, right? If Tyrod Taylor were drafted in the top 10, you think Baltimore just lets him go? No, of course not. Josh Rosen's situation is unprecedented. And and the kicker on top of all of this is that he's notoriously a poor cultural fit in the NFL. That he thinks he's great. That he thinks that he deserves different rules. That, 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 he, that he 
holds himself in a higher esteem than Tom Brady does in his locker room. Who the fuck are you? What are you talking about? Meanwhile, you have Ryan Fitzpatrick over here who's just doing the work. Man of right? the people. professional. Like, who do you think that the Dolphins players want to start by the end of training camp? They're going to want Ryan Fitzpatrick. And we, in the analytics chair, would say, well, that's stupid, right? What are you doing, right? At least if you start Josh Rosen, there's a chance that he accrues value and you can trade him if you're the Miami Dolphins GM. Ryan Fitzpatrick will never have trade value. What are you doing? Well, there's 53 guys whose next contract is at stake. That's where the pure numbers-based decision-making falls apart. You have to know Josh Rosen is not going to be someone that people like in the locker room, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is, and that is going to matter even though that's completely independent of any numbers that we have at our disposal. The one thing that I find interesting, though, is that Christian Kirk still had that mini breakout before getting hurt, which sort of underscores just how good he is despite having to play with Josh Rosen. Well, here's the thing, Hassan. Christian Kirk's fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Talk about Stephon Diggs. Okay, I'm not willing to say Ty Johnson is the running back version of Stephon Diggs. I'm absolutely willing to say Christian Kirk is the next second coming. That doesn't make sense, but he's the second coming of Stephon Diggs. In fact, if you go to Player Profiler, he is best comparable. They don't look the same, right? Christian Kirk is much more stout, stocky, different game, more of a yards after the catch guy, but... Based on the measurables, they're very similar players. And I think we'll have similar NFL outcomes. It's just that Christian Kirk happens to play in an offense where they're going to try to call 100 plays a game. And if you're not chasing those players on that team, where there's so much value there, then you're doing it wrong, right? My favorite quarterback to draft in seasonal leagues is Kyler Murray. Because if he doesn't fire, so what? I go get someone else. What's the big deal? But if he does fire, oh, Oh, right. I mean, oh, the, the yeah. potential in that offense is 2011 Cam Newton, number one quarterback in the league. You want to talk about who can challenge Patrick Mahomes? Yes, of course, Andrew Luck. Yes, of course, Deshaun Watson. The third guy, plausibility wise, Kyler Murray. Yeah, you're making me so hyped. I want to go to like fast forward to like week three or week four just to see what this Cardinals' offense looks like because you got Andy Isabella there. Oh, oh. it's, it's going to be just Don't wild. Caleb Wilson. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, he's right, such Caleb a... Wilson. Caleb Wilson made Josh Rosen. Yeah, he's such and a good we, we tight end. We wouldn't know Josh Rosen's name if it weren't for Caleb Wilson making him good. Made him look good. This team's going to play fast. It's going to be fun. Um, so Cooper Cup uh, said that he's taking his uh, ACL recovery day to day. You know, that's a bit weird, but uh, that's the news blurb that we heard. Why is that weird? Isn't that what everybody does when they're rehabilitating? It's just day by day. Isn't that just a cliche? Yeah. Isn't he yeah. saying exactly nothing? He is, and he he suffered a fairly late uh, ACL tear. And That's the key. Just can I ask everyone when they're evaluating players for who to draft this year, especially in seasonal leagues? Can you pull out a calendar, please? Is it too much? Is it too much to have a calendar? I mean, you have an look at the bottom row of your computer. You see that that icon that reads. May 31st or June 1st, wherever this fucking podcast goes live, right? You see that icon? Click it. Okay, it's called a calendar. Okay, go to player profiler and scroll down. You can see the medical history report. You see the date these guys went down. If you go down like Darius Geist did in preseason, you're good, man. You're good. If you go down in week eight, you're probably not going to be ready for week one. If you go down in week 17 in December, like Bryce Love, you're not yeah. going to be ready 
until the second half of the season. That's just the way it is. So go ahead and pencil in Cooper Cup to miss the first two games of the season. I still love him. I don't care. He's going to miss the first two games. He's my favorite Rams receiver. So once he's out there, like Julian Edelman, he's going to shred post ACL. But you need to know that. Yeah, it's just that there's no discount on him at all. He's going as like within the top 20 wide receivers for FFPC ADP here on uh, per, per, per player profiler. It's just. I didn't understand that. Yeah, I don't yeah. understand that, 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 that. Again, the the ADP seems to be derived by those. I mean, high stakes here. You know, high stakes players. The rest of us are catching up, right? The casual leaguer is improving, is more sophisticated, more and more every year. The rate of improvement in terms of sophistication of the casual leaguer is incredible, and they're catching up to the high stakes guys. That's just what's happening, and you see it with that Cooper Cup, where people just don't have calendars. And I'm sorry that you know. When were calendars invented? Were they invented by the Chinese? Who invented the calendar? It was either I'm thinking that maybe the abacus, you know, Mesopotamia was the abacus, right? Was it was that was it those people, the Persians, was it the Chinese, the Persians? Somebody invented the calendar. It was someone not white, right? It, what white people didn't do the calendar? I know that. So the calendar was a big deal, and it's ironic that you know it's a non-white person invented the thing that's going to help us value Cooper Cup. Yeah, <laughs> the whitest receiver in the league. <laughs> but such a good picture here in player profile. They're very apt. Yeah, he's the white angel of death. He's the white angel of death because the thing is with some of these, the, the draft kit kills me, by the way. The, the one thing with the draft kit that kills me, and you know, I, I try to figure out what we can do, like alternate headshots. When you go to the cheat sheet, you can scroll down and all the cool... Easter egg headshots are revealed in the cheat sheet because we have the headshots in the cheat sheet because our cheat sheet's so fucking cool, right? But I hate that. It should be a surprise. You have to go to the player page. Oh, look at that headshot. Wait, <laughs> Jared Goff, why is he Master Blaster from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome? This doesn't make sense. Oh, I get it. I get it. Sean McVay is the master and Goff is the blaster. Ah, Ah, the headset coach, right? That's it. I get it now. And with Cooper Cup, it's much harder to decipher why he's the white angel of death. It's because that he came to kill me because I had an argument with John Moore on my show, formerly Rotoviz, John Moore, and the Phenom Index, or originator of the Phenom Index, John Moore. And John Moore is caping up for Cooper Cup and saying Cooper Cup had all the special teams production and that matters and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, breakout age and compiler. And he was right. I was wrong. And so Cooper Cup is just always coming for me. Like I wake up terrified at night. Ah! <laughs> you know, small school compiler coming to kill me. It always happens every year. There's somebody like that. But I'm in. I'm all in on Cooper Cup. Once he showed who he is at the NFL level and said, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All that production in college, all that special teams production, you know, kind of like Tyler Boyd last year. Just showing, finally, yes, this matters, right? The dynamism I show and the versatility translates. So I love Cooper Cup. Do I love him at pick 58? Hell no. Dak Prescott said Jason Witten, quote, hasn't lost a step since returning from his one-year retirement. Okay, he's a liar. Does <laughs> it matter? No. Some of these tight ends, man, they can play forever. Ben Watson, Tony Gonzalez. You know, if you get, if you... Roll the dice at the tight end position and you're able to stay healthy. You can play for a long time, man, because you can be a savvy veteran and find, you know, the, the soft spots in the zone and all that. Find ways to get down and not take huge hits. You're a savvy veteran. Like, I get it. But why would you draft Jason Witten in a single tight end league? 
I want upside. I want Vance McDonald, right? So get out of here. I'd rather have Ian Thomas. So many other, uh, Chris Herndon. I mean, give me upside, Mark Andrews. Give me upside at tight end. And if it doesn't work out, I just go get somebody else with upside. I just keep every week streaming upside until a guy hits, then he becomes my starter for the rest of the season. I mean, that's, it's, not, it's not hard. You don't draft Delaney Walker. You don't, you don't draft Jason Witten. You don't draft Greg Olson. You don't draft Jimmy Graham. Fuck out of here those guys. They're useless. You also don't draft uh, my personal uh, player profiler, um, uh, you know, uh, headshot, which is uh, Jesse James. Jesse James. Well, I mean, <laughs> TJ Hawkinson has upside. Yep. Right? But but Jesse James is not. So the Jesse James one, J.J. Zacharyson originated that one, which is that he felt like every time the ball was headed toward Jesse James in the end in the in the end zone, that Jesse James looked like one of those wind dancers at a used car lot. <laughs> like he just didn't he wasn't stable man he, he wasn't solid like the guy's body is flying all over the place and he clearly just doesn't have that it factor he doesn't look like he's together out there so that's where um, i came from we have some new ones we have some we have a couple of rookies that we did jazz ferguson right jazz the transformer you know under the radar transformer not one of the not one of the the main guys didn't one of the transformers the bad guy didn't he transform into a gun? That was Megatron, yeah. Megatron transformed into a handgun. Like, is that still a thing? <laughs> that when they reproduce these Transformer toys for the movie, like he doesn't still turn into a gun, does he? They found something else for him to turn into, right? I I remember watching the Transformers movie. I don't remember anything about the Transformers he movie. He just turned into a floating gun. It didn't even yeah. make sense. Like... You can't just be a gun without the person holding it and pulling the trigger. It's useless. <laughs> you might as well turn into a bag of dicks. <laughs> I never it's, understood it. And now it's not PC. So it has no political correctness. You, got, you can't have a gun in the hands of a kid. So anyway, Jazz is a transformer. <laughs> uh, second year wide receiver James Washington said he dropped uh, 15 pounds and he's down to 210 this year. <laughs> okay. And? <laughs> Yeah. Congratulations. I mean, who cares? Good luck outplaying uh, Dante Moncrief. I just think that this offense is going to take a big step back this year. I think the offensive line is going to be worse. I think they're going to be, I think they're experimenting with two back sets, right? It's just, it's all bad, man. It's all bad. The only stealer that I care about is Vance McDonald and to a lesser extent, Jalen Samuels. I think it, Vance McDonald's going to big boost. I think it's going to be consolidated around the running back, Vance McDonald and Juju Smith-Schuster. It's going to be like it was a couple of years ago. You know, Bell and Brown. Like the ancillary wide receivers are going to be Martavis Bryant. So James Washington's going to put up Martavis Bryant numbers if Dante Moncrief doesn't put up Martavis Bryant numbers. And who cares? Not excited. Jalen Samuels, though, you should not let him go in Dynasty. I've had a couple Connor owners try to get Jalen Samuels for me and I just replied with a laughing crying emoji oh yeah that's that's on them <laughs> not gonna happen guys not gonna He's... happen there's way too much upside a guy that's an incredible if you're 225 pounds and you're explosive and a great receiver and you're tethered to a prolific quarterback <laughs> I mean you Find me a better equation for creating upside in fantasy football. You can't give me. It's not possible. So whether it's an injury, whether it's ineffectiveness, whether it's just outplaying him because they're playing both guys, they're rotating them, hot hand. Drafting James Conner in the first round, end of the first round, early second. Oh, my God. 
And these people are on something, man. I mean, that's a level of delusion I can't get to. So speaking of rookies with Easter egg pictures, any interest in Benny Snell? Oh, Benny Snell, the snail! No, man. No. <laughs> I mean, I got to pick one. I, I, I pick one. Like, like you said, with these backfields that are ambiguous, I just pick a guy. He has to be cheap, and he has to have great upside. So that guy for me in Los Angeles is Daryl Darrell Henderson. That guy for me in Pittsburgh is Jalen Samuels. That guy for me in San Francisco is Matt Breida. So I just go down the list and I just pick a guy because it's all ambiguous. And, you know, it, in Denver, it's Royce Freeman. And you just you go down the list. And I'm not trying to hedge those things. I would only hedge if I have Melvin Gordon. I would want to make sure I get both Eckler and Justin Jackson if possible. Melvin Gordon's injury prone. I mean, Melvin Gordon has one of the highest injury susceptibility ratings of all running backs. Now, he's one of those running backs that never gets talked about as likely to be hurt, but he's way up there. I mean, he's not CJ Procise, but if you actually factor in projected workload, it's hard to find a running back that's more likely to get hurt this year than Melvin Gordon. The uh, Jaguars uh, OC John DeFilippo said Leonard Fournette will continue to have a major role in the offense. Speaking of injury-prone running backs, there's the other guy. Well, that's the thing, right? Everyone views Leonard Fournette as highly injury-prone. Our analytics suggest Melvin Gordon is just as injury-prone as Fournette. It's just that he didn't miss as many games when he went down. But the susceptibility of injury is there because the injury track record is the same. It's the same injuries. It's the high ankles. It's the knees. The same thing has been happening to Melvin Gordon the hamstring. The same thing's been happening to Melvin Gordon the last three years as Leonard Fournette. It's just how the media reports it, perception, but it's not based in fact that any difference in injury proneness between those two players. And I like Melvin Gordon. I like, uh, I like, and I, but I also, I also like Leonard Fournette. Right? I think Leonard Fournette's a lot safer than Sony Michelle because Leonard Fournette doesn't have game script dependence. Leonard Fournette doesn't have as much competition for touches like Damian Harris and James White. Right. And both players have been brittle during their careers, going all the way back to college, Sony Michelle and Leonard Fournette. So I don't understand the fascination with Sony Michelle. I just don't take chances in those first four rounds. I want stable, 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 stable wide receivers and stable, stable running backs. My starters need to be very stable, 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 stable. I need to know what I'm getting. Right. I want Stefan Diggs. You know, I want. Christian McCaffrey, ideally, right? I want to know what I'm getting. I know what Marlon Mack is. I want to feel good about these players. If I have to draft DeAndre Hopkins in the first round so I can feel good, I will, right? So, and that you have plenty of time. Can I explain this to fantasy gamers for a second? You don't need to be a hero in the first four rounds. Like, if there's any question marks around a player, just don't draft them in the first four rounds. Like, it's that simple. Just build this incredibly stable core of players, right? Are you worried at all about Nick Chubb? No. Is he at his peak going to outscore Damian Williams at his peak or, or Dalvin Cook at his peak? No, because he's not as active in the passing game, but he's incredibly stable. You know what you're going to get from Nick Chubb, right? That's what you want. You don't need to chase the upside. You don't need to chase rainbows in the first four rounds. You have the rest of the draft. Right? Drafts are 17 rounds long. You have 13 rounds to chase upside. It, it, you should be doing that as soon as round five kicks off. Just 
I give you permission. The Podfather gives you permission to chase as many rainbows as you want after pick 50. Just take it easy in those first four rounds. Please, please. Well, speaking of chasing rainbows and Fournette's fragility, are you drafting any Raquel Armstead? Why not? Why not? The play with Raquel Armstead is this. If your draft is before August 15th, you stash Raquel Armstead in seasonal leagues because Leonard Fournette is the most likely running back to get hurt in the final weeks of preseason. So that's the bet. If you're Because the probability he gets hurt in week one is vanishingly low. Not going to happen. I mean, it could, of course, but it's just not. I mean, as injury as susceptible as he is to injury, a week one injury would be very unlikely. So the most likely outcome is Raquel Armstead is a free agent heading into week two. So why are you drafting that guy again? Doesn't make sense. It does if you draft him August 5th, right? Ride him out through the preseason, see what happens with Fournette. If Fournette looks good and healthy heading into week one, just swap him out for someone else before the season starts. That's the move with Armstead in seasonal leagues. So, by the way, I have a take on anyone. You can't just give me a player <laughs> who's super fringy that a lot of people haven't heard of, Blair, and and think that I'm going to get stumped. No, I'm not and trying I to get you stumped. I have something on everybody. I'm genuinely interested in your take on Armstead because he's someone I own you know, on a lot of dynasty teams, and I've been drafting a lot well, in, in dynasty, baseball. He's a slam dunk. you got to yeah. get him in dynasty. Yeah, I mean, how many running backs in this class – have the size and speed that Armstead delivers. Very, very few. Now, why wasn't he more effective at Temple? Why is he running into linebackers? Why is he falling down? I don't know. Like, there are things about him that make me question his feel for the position, right? And that's what happens with a lot of running backs that look like him. But maybe all these other forces were conspiring against him at Temple, and he was just in a bad situation. That could happen too, right? Dexter Williams, same thing. Right. So you got to take a chance on these guys that fit the primary back archetype in the NFL. You see people chasing these satellite backs in the third and fourth round. Why are you doing that? Why? Don't bother. Yeah, I get Travis Homer is interesting. Okay. There's a bunch of these guys. You can even go as you can go with Justice Hill, right? Justice Hill in the second round. Okay. A lot of people are making that decision. Am I going to go Justice Hill or am I going to go Damian Harris? And I'm going Damian Harris. Because if things break right for Damian Harris, he's going to be bananas in a way that Justice Hill probably never will be. NBC Sports Bay Area's Matt Mayoko expects Tevin Coleman to receive the most touches among 49ers running back this year. I agree. They signed him, right? I know that technically Jarek McKinnon got more money, but that was last year before he tore his ACL, right? They redid the contracts. Who's getting more money this year? Tevin Coleman or Jarek McKinnon? Tevin Coleman is, right? And... Kyle Shanahan went out and got the guy that he wanted. And now we're hearing, oh, Adam Gaze wanted Tevin Coleman. I think a lot of people wanted Tevin Coleman. It's just one of those things in auction. If you've been in an auction draft, every once in a while, a player just doesn't get bid on because someone was eating a sandwich at the time and just people weren't paying attention or had a second thought at the wrong moment. That's what happened with Tevin Coleman in free agency. I don't know why and how they let Kyle Shanahan get him for such nothing. That's how it works. The problem is he needs runway. So I'm not at it. Just I can't get into him because if he goes to New Orleans, place where we know running backs can thrive and they have plenty of room to operate, then I think he can deliver explosive runs. If you go to a place where you need to be elusive to gain extra yards and, and you don't necessarily have a the offensive efficiency tailwind helping you, eh, I'm just not as interested. It's one of those ambiguous backfields 
with a lot of uncertainty. And just like with the Patriots over the years and the Green Bay Packers the last few years, I just take the guy that's the least expensive, and that's Matt Breida. So I don't disagree. I think that especially now that Matt Breida tore his peck, it's absolutely going to be the Tevin Coleman show. He's going to be the guy installed with the number one offense. I mean, he's the one running the plays in camp right now. So it just makes sense that it's going to be him. And you can't get anything from McKinnon's. You just got to hold McKinnon and hope for the best. And at least we know Matt Breida works hard. I mean, he tore his peck for Christ's sake. Right? That's a guy that takes the weight room very seriously. So I still love Matt Breida. I like his potential to deliver some, some big weeks this year. He's undersized, but he's going to get in there. He's going to give you some big weeks and just got to hold on and, and, and wait for those to materialize in Dynasty. But seasonal leagues, I probably won't end up with many 49ers. Paul Koharski reports Marcus Mariota plans to play uh, 12 to 13 pounds heavier than he was in 2018, and he checked into camp at around uh, 230 pounds. Good for him. I mean, I don't get it. This is what's news. This is it. It's May. <laughs> I like Mariota. I like Mariota for all the right reasons, and the haters dislike Mariota for all the wrong reasons. That's the problem. If we're going to excuse away the injury history of Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson Wentz, why not Marcus Mariota? Marcus Mariota was a better college quarterback than either of those guys. Right? Remember Matthew Stafford? Matthew Stafford was injured every year, the first three, four years of his career. Looked like a lost career for Matthew Stafford. It wasn't going to happen, remember? He had some uh, bone condition where he kept breaking his clavicle. Remember, it was a, a early onset osteoporitis. <laughs> no, osteoporosis. Yeah. Early, sorry, I fucked that up. Early onset osteoporosis. Remember that? And then all of a sudden, oh, wow. Those are just random accidents in the, on the football field. That happens, right? Nerve damage in his elbow. It happens, guys. People come back from that. So I like Mariota. I don't see why I, I'm not allowed to like him. I don't understand it. His completion percentage jumped last year. It's not like he had impressive weapons in the passing game. And now Tennessee goes out and they invest in A.J. Brown in the second round, arguably the best wide receiver in this class, right? They have Delaney Walker coming back. You have Jonu Smith coming into his own. Basically, small school David Njoku, Jonu Smith. If Corey Davis going into his third year, the magical third year for wide receivers, you overpay Adam Humphreys to man the slot. You have Taewon Taylor, one of the best fourth receivers in the league. And you have Deion Lewis, one of the best satellite backs in the league. Suddenly, this looks like the best supporting cast in the NFL for a quarterback. And we hate him? We hate him? Because of this run-first approach? Okay? Well, okay, if that's true, then his baseline is Matthew, Matthew Stafford, right? His baseline is Matthew Stafford because the same offensive philosophy in Detroit, right? So there's no difference, right? The difference is, actually, Mariota's mobile. So... It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make logical sense when you look at these players side by side. You can't draft Stafford before Mariota because you're losing all that Konami code upside if you go Stafford. And there's no upside in Stafford. If Stafford doesn't fire in week one, you just pick up somebody else and stream somebody else. You're not gaining anything. If you draft Mariota, just like if you draft Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson or even Josh Allen, sadly, he's mobile, unfortunately. <laughs> At least with these players, you get that rushing upside and it can materialize in week one and suddenly you've accrued value in your draft pick. So there's no there's no reason to draft some pocket passer like Tom Brady rounds earlier when you can just wait and get a Mariota. So if I can't get Kyler Murray, 
right? And if I can't get a pocket passer I love is Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan took maybe did he take the most sacks in the league last year? He was right up there. He's close to the top of the league in sack rate. They invest in the offensive line heavily in round one and two. He has one of the best receiving cores in the league. He was the MVP of the league two years ago, right? I mean, he's really good. So I think he's the best value pocket passer, just like it was last year. That's who I was drafting last year was Matt Ryan. He had the best one weeks one through seven schedule. This year, I think it's the improved line and offensive line and 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 supporting cast, which really buoys Matt Ryan. So it, if you're not going to go with someone like Matt Ryan that has real upside in terms of his offensive situation, just boosting him, and and he has real top five quarterback in his in his range of outcomes. If he's not there, you know, if Breeze and Ryan are off the board, wait for Mariota. It's been ten years since the FFPC filled their first dynasty league, and now they've grown to be the world's largest dynasty league commissioner with leagues as high as five thousand dollars to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new startup dynasty leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up, in standard, superflex, and best ball formats. FFPC also has plenty of other great redraft formats, including best ball drafts, starting at $35 all the way up to a $1,250 entry fee. Both slow and live leagues are filling and launching daily. To register for a premium league starting at just $35, go to myffpc.com. Moving on to news item number three. Packers coach Matt LaFleur has been impressed with how quickly the team is picking up the offense. I guess we kind of know what to expect from Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones even. Which of the sophomore wide receivers are you thinking will emerge as Rodgers number two, if any? Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And by the way, Equinemius St. Brown says he doesn't stretch because cheetahs don't stretch, Yeah, which is just stupid. Can I correct him and his father? Cheetahs do stretch, dude. You haven't seen cheetahs stretch? If you haven't seen cheetahs stretch, I advise you to go watch more cheetahs. (laughs) They stretch all the time. They stretch their claws out, their front paws way out. And they essentially do a downward dog. It could be called downward cheetah, for Christ's sake. It absolutely stretch. So my advice to you is to stretch and stop being an idiot. This is a stupid thing to say. Just like telling the front office people you talk to at the combine that you don't want to play special teams. What are you doing? I mean, I can like Equinemius St. Brown, but I just, I mean, if you don't have common sense, like you just, you're, you're, you're down a notch, man. It's like with the Wonderlick, with quarterbacks, right? I, I don't like that. Mitchell Trubisky has a low wonderlick. Like, am I allowed to, to hold that against Mitchell Trubisky? He's already risky. He already looks like Blake Bortles, who also had a low wonderlick. Okay? I'm allowed. Marquez Valdez-Scantling seems to want it, and he had the highest slot rate of any Packers wide receiver last year not named Randall Cobb. So kind of like D.D. Westbrook, you have an explosive downfield wide receiver playing the slot a lot? which sets up double moves really well because you can get that extra cushion off the line of scrimmage playing in the slot. I'm interested. I'm interested in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and I think Jake Kumaro outproduces Equinemius St. Brown. Oh, yeah. I love how that's a hot take, (laughs) as if anyone's expecting anything from Equinemius St. Brown. Only on the Rotoviz podcast would that get a woo. (laughs) That that was so hot. Meanwhile, there's no expectations whatsoever for anyone with Equinemius St. Brown, but all that matters is rapport with Aaron Rodgers. And mm-hmm. whether that's Geronimo Allison, whether that's 
Jake Kumro, it's going to be somebody. If somebody's going to grab that number three wide receiver role, why not Jake Kumro? Rodgers was praising him last year before he got hurt, right? Rodgers was excited for him to, to get activated, and he's better than Geronimo Allison. But Geronimo Allison's also been solid. It's crazy. I hate it, but it's the Aaron Rodgers effect. So you have to draft these Packers wide receivers at the end of your draft, especially in best ball leagues, deep best ball leagues. I'm going to be in this pros and Joes. I'm going to be rostering Geronimo Allison just because he's a guy like Muhammad Sanu that you just need to know in a best ball scenario that he's going to give you production in that wide receiver three slot in those off weeks when you have buys and your wide receivers don't fire. In these very deep best ball leagues, you need to think about Geronimo Allison as you're stockpiling like 10 straight wide receivers at the end of the draft. That's the kind of guy that will fall because he doesn't have the brand equity. People are tired of him. They know he's not good. They know he's only relevant because of Rodgers. And he falls many rounds in drafts because of that. But you have to throw out the metrics. Don't look him up on playerprofiler.com. I've never, (laughs) I looked up Geronimo Allison once on player profile. I don't need to see anything. I don't need to see anything. I don't need to look him up. He's on the Packers. He's getting snaps. The end. On to news item number four. Um, according to ESPN's Mike Reese, uh, Patriots first round wide receiver in Keel Harry has lined up at multiple spots during OTAs. Matt, what are your expectations for Harry and uh, the Patriots' offense this year? How do you think the target share works out here? The Julian Edelman show. That is all. <laughs> no love for <laughs> Harry? I love Harry, man. I just, you know, I don't draft wide receivers in the first round of Dynasty Leagues. I don't do it because they're always cheaper the next year. So I don't understand what doesn't make sense. Like they don't do anything in their rookie season, generally speaking. So why not just wait? Well, last year, Christian Kirk was a second rounder. So why am I dra- the running backs accrue all this value? Even Darius Geis didn't lose value. Think about that. Think about how protected you are from losses by just going running back in the first round. Even Darius Geis has been stable. Or he, the guy could completely, you know, pop. And and he could double in value, like Karrion Johnson, Sony Michelle, all these guys double in value. The only guy that didn't last year, you know who he is. You know his name. There's only <laughs> one running back drafted in the first round who lost value last year. Name. You know his name. Oh, yeah. And he was a running back I wouldn't touch. <laughs> he had no business in the first round. He checked zero boxes. So, yes, if you're drafting a running back in the first round, it helps if they check some boxes. Okay, go get Nick Chubb. That was my... Most common first-round running back pick, Nick Chubb. Because I had a late pick, trade up a little bit, get Nick Chubb. Kind of like Miles Sanders this year. I love Nick Chubb. I love the stability. I love knowing what I'm getting. I love that high-pedigree, former five-star recruit that is going to be a workhorse at the NFL level. Everybody knows it. It's like a given, right? So that's the direction I go in rookie drafts. That's why um, it's all about Miles Sanders this year. If you're picking one through six and then after that daryl henderson that's it that's the play that's the move so i don't ever get Nikhil harry i'll i won't own Nikhil harry for another five years but at some point Nikhil harry is going to have a correction something's going to happen he's going to get hurt he's going to disappoint and that's the time when you move in all my wide receivers in dynasty most of them have been acquired in trade they're not guys i've drafted because I don't want to burn roster spots. You notice most of my taxi squads running backs. It's all running backs. It's, it, it's lottery picks, lottery ticket. They hit, 
then you swap them out for wide receivers and trade. That's how you win dynasty. You don't win by investing in Nikhil Harry with Miles Sanders on the board. That's a losing proposition because you're eating value in the short term. But even the best hedge fund managers who think long term will tell you the short term matters a lot. You need to win in the short term and the long term. And these these incremental short term gains build in the long run. They actually let you acquire more capital to go win even more heavily, win even bigger in the long run. So that's how I run my Dynasty League teams. I like Nikhil Harry. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a lot more productive this year than we are expecting him to be. I think he is super versatile. I think he is ready to play. I think he and Debo Samuel are ready to produce today. So I, I can see he and Samuel and Cole Hardman, who is who has the highest seasonal ADP right now in, in, in FFPC best ball leagues. I can see those players delivering in, in year one. But... Not at some ridiculous level, not 2014 wide receiver levels. I, I don't, maybe, but that's also just not the Patriots. The, the rookie receivers don't ever produce big numbers with the Patriots. I think they do have a relatively complicated offense. I think that it's just going to be a pleasant surprise if we get fantasy relevant weeks from Nikhil Harry, and that's cool. I appreciate him for what he is, not because he's on my fantasy team, but because he's the best wide receiver prospect and the NFL appreciated him accordingly. And now he's in a situation where there's very little talent on that wide receiver depth chart beyond Julian Edelman, and he has an opportunity to thrive. And then every target that goes to Philip Dorsett or Dontrell Inman instead of Nikhil Harry is probably a mistake, right? And Nikhil Harry is probably open, right? That's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. But I like Nikhil Harry a lot more next year. I think I'm going to try to get him during the season if I can, try to do some sneaky deals and, and use some of these 2020 first rounders I've acquired and, and try to maybe sneak in Nikhil Harry. So there's going to be people. So what happens is here, here's what's happened. Someone drafts Nikhil Harry this year, right? And what happens is it inadvertently hurts them because then they can't be as competitive because they didn't draft a running back. So then they're going to start to lose and they, they may actually switch into tank mode at some point in 2019. So the Nikhil Harry owner had a high draft pick this year, drafted a wide receiver that can't really help them much, probably, will likely struggle and be looking for 2020 picks at the end of the 2019 season. So that's the perfect time to move in and offer that person your 2020 first plus something else, or if it's, if it's going to be late, or maybe Nikhil Harry struggles so badly, maybe he's, he's, he's just not used because it may be Josh Gordon comes back. Who knows, right? You could get, a 2022nd rounder, right? I'll give you my first. And, and now you're starting to see all these running backs, right? Oh my God. I got to get JK Dobbins. Oh my God. I got to get Jonathan Taylor. Oh my God. Right. Um, I'm blanking on the guy from Georgia, but there's just so many Swift. There's a Swift, right? What a yeah. great name. DeAndre <laughs> Swift, uh, DeAndre Swift, um, uh, acres from Florida state. There's so many quality running backs. And these are just guys that are bell cows. I'm not even talking about like the best satellite backs, like Atente, Etienne, and Clemson. And there's just so many guys that are so exciting that blow away the running backs in the 2019 class. So the enthusiasm is going to be juiced, right? The college season has is well underway. Dynasty leaguers are just so excited to get these running backs. The 2021sts are spiking in value. Nikhil Harry hasn't really been producing. Boom! That's how you do it. Yeah, that's possible. 
I think, um, you know, if you're comparing like startup costs, it would be harder to get DJ Moore or Calvin Ridley or Kirk or those guys this year than it would have last year. So, uh, I mean, I guess I think it's more likely than not that Harry's price actually rises from here if he is halfway decent. But what's that? Kirk wasn't a first rounder. Yeah, that's true. He wasn't. And DJ Moore was available at pick 110, 111. That's absolutely a guy you play. DJ Moore had a better profile last year than any of these wide receivers. Like he, had, he was a more impressive college prospect than even Harry and Brown. So the fact that you could get Harry at the 103 this year versus Moore at the 110 last year because of all those running backs displacing the first round slots. DJ Moore was a slam dunk at the 110, right? But even so... You're deciding between DJ Moore and Karrion Johnson. I think Karrion Johnson gets you more right now in Dynasty. That was a decision point I made because I have, again, I, I'm always winning Dynasty. I always had these late picks. And I remember debating Karrion Johnson, DJ Moore. Like I remember that debate I had. And I went Karrion Johnson. And I'm not sorry. I've since traded him, right? But And, and, I, and I probably got a, a really good receiver and something else in return. As I'm, not, I'm not regretting it. I, I can tell you... Can I, can I can I calculate real quick, guys, for you how many hours or minutes, seconds of sleep I've lost drafting Karrion Johnson over DJ Moore last year? Do we have time? Go for it. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a methodology, man. You know, there are situations. Yeah, I remember also a situation where Karrion Johnson was not there, mm-hmm. and it was between Royce Freeman and DJ Moore. And because Royce Freeman was a third-round pick, he seemed fringier, and I went DJ Moore. I mean, that, that was the tension point for me. That was that friction point last year in that draft. But that's where, that's exactly, that illustrates perfectly where you draft wide receivers and rookie drafts, where that tension is. If a wide receiver with a 50% dominator rating in a major conference with exceptional athleticism across the board at an early breakout age like DJ Moore is available in the late first round, that's when you have to start thinking about Nikhil Harry at the 103 with Miles Sanders on the board. Fuck out of here. All right. On that, we'll end it. That'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Matt Kelly. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Mansion. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I am Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. By the draft kit. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio Podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. 
I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.